read now from Psalm 115 on page 604 in your pew Bible. We're going to focus especially on the first verse, but we'll uh, read the whole psalm, Psalm 115. Okay, that's page 604 in the pew Bible. One of the Hallel psalms often sung in connection with the Passover. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens. The earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore praise the Lord. And we'll read also from John chapter 3 where John the Baptist models the heart behind that prayer for God to be glorified and not us. It's on page 1055 in your pew Bible. We saw this morning how even in the song that was sung at the Occasion of John's circumcision and naming, John did not exist to bring himself glory, but already then he existed to to point to another. Um, Here we see him doing just that in John chapter 3, beginning at verse 22, we'll read through verse 30. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside. He remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, He is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. 
The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. And that desire of John to decrease while Christ would increase is the heart behind Psalm 115 that we just read and also the, the heart behind the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, which we will uh, read the exposition of in Lord's Day 47 on pages 894 and 895 in the back of your hymnal. It's just uh, one question which we'll read together responsively, question 122. It asks, what does the first petition mean? Hallowed be your name means help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them. Your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means Help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. Beloved, the catechism there says at the end of what we just confessed that everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do should be directed to this one end, that God's name would always be honored and praised. What our, our catechism is there saying in question 122 is, is really the same thing that the Westminster Shorter Catechism says in question answer one, that our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The reason why we exist is to bring God glory. Therefore, everything that we do should, should be aimed or directed at the glory of God. That's what John says in John chapter 3 regarding his life's mission. It's what the psalmist says in Psalm 115, Lord, let yourself be glorified in us. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why we exist. And if that is the chief end for which we were made, then that most certainly should affect the way that we pray. If that's the reason why we exist, then we should be praying that, that God would help us not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify him. And so this afternoon, as we think about the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, I want to uh, first think about our chief end and show you how that uh, is indeed the reason why we exist. And consider, um, not just our, our chief end, but, but our, our natural tendency, which is not to glorify God, but rather to, to seek to glorify ourselves. And then having considered our chief end and our natural tendency, in light of that, we'll, we'll consider what our earnest prayer ought to be, that God's name would be hallowed. So look at me um, first at our, our chief end. The Shorter Catechism says it is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 teaches the same, where Paul says in verse 31, whatever we do, whether we eat or whether we drink, we do it all to the glory of God. Peter, in, in 1 Peter 4, 
says, whatever gifts you have or whatever words you speak, use them so that in everything God may be glorified, for to him belong glory and dominion forever. The purpose of our existence is to glorify and hallow God's name. He is the all-glorious one who creates all things to reflect that glory. You and I were made not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify him. That is the, the chief end for which um, Jonathan Edwards said, not, not just we, but, but, but the whole world was created. Calvin said the whole universe is the, the theater of God's glory. Mankind is made especially to reflect that glory as his image, but all things are intended by God to glorify himself. And Paul said in Romans chapter 11, that, that wonderful doxology, that all things are from him and through him and to him, to whom be glory forever. This is not wrong or um, narcissistic for God to desire his own glory, for as the all-glorious one, it's only right that he would be glorified. And so he naturally desires that which is most right and most fitting and, and creates us for that end. And Psalm 115, verse 1, reflects that, that we are not made to give glory to ourselves, but to the one who made us. The chief end of man is not his own glory, but, but God's. And um, John the Baptist, in John chapter 3, understood this, that he was not made to bring glory to himself. And so when John's disciples um, see Jesus over across the river drawing a greater crowd than, than him, and are a bit concerned by this, John doesn't share in their concern, doesn't seem even to entertain it, but but he says, everything that I have has been given to me from heaven. What I do is because of God's goodness and because of God's grace, and it isn't done for me anyway, but my purpose is to bear witness to Christ. I've told you that. He says, "I'm, I'm like the best man at a wedding, and my purpose isn't to draw attention to myself, but to rejoice in him and to glorify him. John says, in doing this, my joy is complete. Notice, like question answer one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, he he finds enjoyment in glorifying God. These two things are not at odds. But like John, we too should have our joy completed in bringing glory to him. So John says, he must increase, I must decrease. One New Testament commentator called those those last words, he must increase, I must decrease, surely one of the greatest utterances that ever fell from human lips. He must increase, I must decrease. One of the greatest utterances that ever fell from human lips. And you you wonder if, if this life mission that John here expresses isn't part of why Jesus says of those born of women, none is greater than John. Because John so understood that purpose for which he was made, the hallowing of God's name, the the hallowing of God's own person. Notice what our catechism says, what does it mean for God's name to be hallowed? It says that his name refers to all his works and all that shines forth from them, his glorious attributes. In other words, to glorify God is to glorify his person and work. And that's what John says he seeks to do, to glorify 
the bridegroom for all his works and all that shines forth from them. Christ's almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, truth. The tender heart of God and his, his tender mercy that we see expressed in the coming of Christ as we heard this morning. We exist like John so that all of our living, what we think, what we say, and what we do, it would never blaspheme or dishonor God's name, but it would always cause it to be honored and praised for all that he is and for all that he's done. And that's again how Lord's Day 47 in that second paragraph it says, help us to, to direct all our living. There is an intentionality to this. We saw the same thing earlier in, in Psalm 119, that, that our, our desire for God's word is to be a steadfast, a, a singular desire. So our, our catechism instructs us, everything that we do is to be directed to this one end. Now, one writer compared this to to an archer who carefully places the arrow on the bow and then aims it at the target of, of a mind to, to hit that target. And that target, the great purpose of the Christian life is the glory and honor of the triune God. Every thought, every word, every deed should be directed to that end. Herman Veldkamp says, happy is the man whose quiver is full of those arrows that are aimed at this purpose of life, the hallowing, of God's name. That's why we exist, like John, that we might decrease and he might increase. That we might truly know him, glorify and praise him in everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. A saying with the psalmist in Psalm 115, not unto me, O Lord, not unto me, but to your name give glory. Is that your heart's desire? should be, but if we're honest with ourselves, that, that is not our natural tendency, which is what we turn to next, and focusing especially on those, those first few words of Psalm 115, verse 1. Notice how it begins, not just by saying, not unto us, O Lord, but then it repeats it. Stephen Sharnock, the, the old Puritan who wrote that famous work, The Existence and Attributes of God, he, he said of this repetition here in Psalm 115, by repeating, not unto us, that the psalmist implies that our natural tendency is to self-idolatry and to the magnifying of ourselves, and, and it implies the difficulty of cleansing our hearts from this. There is a humble admission here in the beginning of this psalm that our natural tendency is not to seek the glory of God, but rather to seek the glory of self. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus said that we must beware of, of practicing our deeds or our righteousness before men. Of sounding trumpets when we give to the needy, praying with our door open that we might be seen by others, of fasting in such a way that draws attention to ourselves. Jesus gives these warnings in Matthew chapter 6 because he knows the human heart. He knows our natural tendency. Ever since the fall to try to be like God, to, to try to seek for ourselves that glory which alone belongs to him. Even in the good that we do. Often mixed with, with not just a desire for the advancement of God's glory, but, but also the advancement of our own. The opening line of this psalm is, is seeking to put that desire to death. 
It humbly admits what is our natural tendency and then prays that God would uproot that vain glory from us and bring glory to himself. Psalm 115 verse 1 reminds us not only of our chief end, but reminds us also of our natural tendency. To see ourselves not like John the Baptist as simply friends of the bridegroom who who seek to place the spotlight on him so so that he would increase and and we would decrease and and fall into the background. But, But our natural tendency is to want to share in the bridegroom's glory. To want to be thought well of. And the the offhanded comments that that we make about the pious deeds that we have done. Perhaps in the the things that we share on on social media, wanting to to project a certain certain image. We're far too aware of ourselves and far too concerned with bringing ourselves glory. Which is why I become bothered by, by the success of others like John's disciples do in John 3. Because our desire for the promotion of the glory and kingdom of God often becomes confused with a desire for the promotion of the glory and kingdom of self. You see, the same thing from Christ's disciples. It's not just John's disciples, but Christ's disciples too in Mark chapter 9 when when they get upset because someone else who wasn't with them was casting out demons. And it actually says they went and they tried to stop him. And then they come and, and complain to Jesus about it. And say, he wasn't with us, he's not one of us, but he's doing it too. You see, it's not just on that one instance in in Mark chapter 9, but but so often the disciples are are, are clamoring over who is the greatest in the kingdom. All of the gospel writers include these things because they reflect what lives in us. Even in our desire for the glorification of God's name and God's kingdom, we we simultaneously want to glorify ourselves. And so it's not enough simply to pray, to your name give glory, but the psalmist reminds us that we must also pray not unto us. In fact, to pray it twice. This this natural tendency of ours to seek self-glory instead of God's glory must be humbly admitted, must be prayed against, And it must be put to death by God's grace. In the next uh, section of our catechism in Lord's Day 48, the catechism is going to instruct us to to pray that God would would destroy the devil's work. Every force that revolts against God or every, every conspiracy against his holy name. You could say that the the catechism is is, is going to instruct us to pray even even, um, imprecatory type prayers against everything that revolts against God and conspires against his name and his glory. But, but here we're reminded that, that one of those forces that conspires against God's name and God's glory is the vainglory that lives in us, which we must pray earnestly for the destruction of. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. That's to be our prayer, both parts of it. The advancement of God's glory and not our own. Which also reminds us not not just that we should not seek our own glory, but that in everything we pray, it must be centered not on self, but on God. Matthew Henry said, let not self, carnal self, be the center and spring of your prayers, but God. Let the eye of your soul be fixed upon him as your highest end in all your prayers to him. 
The first petition sets the tone for all of our prayer as it it turns the focus away from self and onto God as it teaches us to pray not unto us, but our chief concern is to be the glory of God. Our secondary concern is to be the good of others as this whole prayer is prayed in, in the plural, our Father, our daily bread, our debts. Chief concern is to be God and his glory. Our, our secondary concern is to be uh, the good of, of others. God is concerned with, with dethroning us from the seat of our hearts. And, and so he gives us prayer as one of the means by which he reorients our affections and our priorities, taking the focus off of self and placing it onto him and onto others. Now, that's part of, of the gift that we're given, by the way, in, in the Psalms. Think of the fact that, that 30 to 40% of them are psalms of lament. And, and oftentimes, many of us, we might come to church and, and not necessarily, uh, necessarily feel like, like praying Psalm 13 or, or Psalm 44 or Psalm 77, these, these cries of anguish. But we pray them in the plural. We, we pray them joined together with our brothers and sisters across the pew or across the world who, who are suffering, and we pray them on their behalf. The Psalms, just like the Lord's Prayer, remind us that that we do not pray just for ourselves. This is is maybe one of the the diagnostic questions that we can ask ourselves about the, the state of our own souls. What do I find myself praying for most? Who do I find myself praying for most? Myself? Others? God? The Lord's Prayer in Psalm 115 remind us that God is to be first and foremost. His glory and the hallowing of his name, that is to be our earnest prayer. Which every other prayer, every other petition that we pray proceeds. It's not coincidental that the hallowing of God's name comes first in Christ's model prayer. Because everything that comes after it logically proceeds from it. The reason why we should desire God's kingdom to come is so that his name would be hallowed. The reason why we should pray for God's will to be done, as we we prayed earlier from Psalm 119, is so that his name would be hallowed. The reason why we should pray that God would give us our daily bread is, is so that he would be honored and glorified as the one from whom every good and every perfect gift comes who provides for his children. The reason why we pray for our sins to be forgiven is not just so that we would be pardoned and we would be justified, but so that God would be glorified. Psalm 25, verse 11, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt. Psalm 79, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. He is the goal of all our prayer, the hallowing of his name. Which is why we then end by saying, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Every petition from one through six has as its aim the glory of God. David Van Drunen, OBC pastor and professor, has called the rest of the prayer simply a reflection on the Christian's great desire that God's name be glorified. That's primary. 
going back to our, our first point about man's chief end and the, the chief end for which God created the world, um, Piper has said, nothing is more, un, uh, more clear and unshakable to me than this. The purpose of the universe is for the hallowing of God's name. His kingdom comes for that. His will is done for that. Humans have bread sustaining life for that. Sins are forgiven for that. Temptations escaped for that. The purpose of the universe, the purpose of everything that we pray, the purpose of everything is for the glory and exaltation and hallowing of God's great name. And I would actually suggest that we we see the same kind of pattern in Psalm 115. It it, it contains a prayer in Old Testament terms for, for the coming of God's kingdom that he would deliver his people from the nations who despise his name. There is a prayer in this psalm for God's will to be done, that God's people would not be like those who, who worship the, the gods of gold and silver, but would bless his name. There's a prayer for the provision of God. We see something of that in verses 14 and 15, where it says, May the Lord uh, uh, cause his people to increase them and their children, may they be blessed by God. There is a A prayer not so much for the the forgiveness of sins, but appealing to God's steadfast love and mercy and and praying that those things would be magnified. As a prayer for for deliverance from the evil of those who worship other gods and become like them. You could argue that all of the different petitions are are hit, but but all of this is proceeding from the prayer of verse 1 that God would be glorified. Matthew Henry says of Psalm 115.1, this must be our highest and ultimate end in all our prayers, and therefore it is made the first petition of the Lord's Prayer that guides all the rest. Let this be our design in all our desires that God may be glorified. That's the reason why he made us. It's the reason for everything, and therefore is also the reason why we pray. It should be our foremost desire that all men would know and honor God for all his works and all that shines forth from them, most especially his his work in saving us through his son. We pray that God would help us to truly know this more and more and all men so so that we might, like John, praise the bridegroom for his power and his wisdom and his kindness and his justice and his mercy and his truth. As we see in Psalm 115.1, for his steadfast love and faithfulness, these glorious attributes of God in creation and seen most especially in redemption, we want them to be put on display for all to see. That's what the psalmist is, is praying for. We want God to be glorified, for that is the purpose of creation. That is the purpose for which we've been placed on this earth to truly know him, honor him, glorify and praise him for all his works and all that shines forth from them. Most especially, what he has done for us through his son. Remember, in the context of of the catechism, prayer in Lord's Days 45 through 52 is our response of gratitude to what God has done for us in grace through his son. And our response to Christ the bridegroom, the one in whom God's justice and mercy are shown, is to pray that everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do would contribute to the glory that is due him, the lamb who was slain to to, uh, achieve and deserve honor and glory and praise that all nations and peoples would worship him and praise him for all his works and all that shines forth from him. 
the Catechism is reminding us, Psalm 115 is, is reminding us that all of our prayers should be subsumed under this one passion. That was the cry of the psalmist. That was the desire of John the Baptist's heart. It was the cry of the angels in Luke chapter 2. And they, they came down to the shepherds and said, glory to God in the highest. It was Mary's prayer. My soul magnifies the Lord, she said. May that desire be ours too. May the Lord ever place before us this one passion for the glory of his name. That God in Christ would be exalted and magnified for all that he has done and for all of the, the glory that shines forth from what he's done. For his name's sake, amen. Our Father in heaven, we pray that we would decrease and you would increase in our hearts and in our minds that you would put to death the vain glory that lives within us. Lord, we thank you that the psalmist is far more um, honest than, than we are. We don't like to admit that this is our natural desire. But Lord, we pray that you would put to death this vain glory, this self-centeredness, self obsession, self-intoxication that lives within us, that we might be alive to this one passion for the bridegroom and king who gave his life for us to be exalted. For your kingdom to come, your will to be done, our daily bread to be given, and sins forgiven, us kept from sin and temptation all to this end, that you would be glorified in us. We pray not unto us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. Help us to glorify you and enjoy you forever and all men everywhere because you are worthy of all our praise. We pray in Jesus' name.